0: Keep it keep it down over there. Minor. <laughs> my like my first, I guess it was my second year here, Annabelle was a baby. And they're they always sit in the same seat over there. And the particular it was like maybe nine o'clock service or whatever. And I was doing the announcements at the end and like, like, you guys, from where we're standing in the front of pastors, but like we know who's here. Like we know we in communion, people otherwise come by and we know. Here and like, like I, I have a relationship with like each of you individually as a speaker, but you don't all know that I know what's going on behind you and everything anyway. So I'm doing the announcements and Annabelle starts just like crying a lot, just like that. And I just, it's in my, in my, in my way of pastor Palmer humor, I said, "Hey, quiet!" <laughs> <laughs> like, no one knew there was my kid. <laughs> And I was joking. <laughs> so later, later, like three different people came up to me and said, "Sashai, are you joking?" <laughs> was like I, I only joke. It's like it's hard for me to be serious. Um, let us, you know what? Let, let's pray. <laughs> Lord God, heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the gift of your Word, by which you strengthen our faith, you forgive our sins, and, and bring us closer to you. Really, you deliver yourself to us through your word. Uh, We we give you thanks for this time that we've had together with our new member class as we've thrown in the faith, hopefully learn more about you and learn to confess our faith all the more. Uh, Give us continued joy uh, in in the life that you have for us, the life of the gospel, our new life in Christ. Let us have joy for every day ahead that we know that you're working through us to serve our neighbor. And when we fail, you call us back to yourself. You clean us up, and you and you set us free to live this life with joy and, and a hope and a peace that this world cannot give. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. We have a lot. Like it's impossible for us to cover everything that I'm going to try to cover today. So, um, I'm going to. So you've got a handout before you that's quite long, and I already have many things I want to talk about instead. So. Um, <laughs> First, are you guys have you ever received your first copy of the Lutheran Witness yet? You familiar with what that is? So the Lutheran Witness is the is a monthly publication that's put out by the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod of which you're now going to be a part. Um, so it's a it's 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 lay it's a, it's written for the laity primarily, but it is theological. So it's like they they address relevant cultural issues Um, it's mostly written by pastors or theologians seminary level stuff but they're trying to like, try to address issues that our laity are dealing with whether it be very recent um, cultural issues or just they each each month there's a different theme that they address we give our new member class families a a year of subscription to the loser witness so that should be coming to you shortly and then um, there's also a ton of articles online. In fact, if you haven't done this yet before, you can go to lcms.org and there's a ton of like resources the Missouri Synod is affiliated with and that you'll have access to. Um, but the, if you just Google Lutheran Witness online, lots of articles there. And they have like daily blogs almost that come out. I've, I've written for them twice. And both times I got so much negative um <laughs> Because you can't make everybody happy right so my first article I did was like my first year out of seminary and i and i they asked it was the whole article is based on the, the pastoral ministry so they have like some young guys and some older guys so i was a fresh baby pastor and in my article was um, the lord's office the whole idea that the the pastoral office is not about the man but it's about the the office that the lord established and he works through this office to deliver his gifts to his people simple idea the problem is when you when you call the pastoral office the Lord's office, you accidentally offend, like teachers and youth leaders who aren't pastors. Is my pa- is my office not a pastor? Not the Lord's office? I'm like that wasn't the point. The whole issue was pastoral. You know what? I don't care. I'm not responding to this email. The second article that I did was on um, heaven, and uh, will there be animals in heaven? So if you're at my at my All Saints Day Heaven spiel. Um, so I got to address that, that question of whether or not there will be animals and specifically will my animals be in heaven? And that's, that seems to be a question. That's always a question for people and understandably so because we, if you've had pets that you liked, um, you grow fondness for them and you're like when they die, it's like we cope, we deal with death as Christians knowing that there's heaven. We, that's how we, we kind of get through when, we, when our loved ones die but when you love your dog and your dog dies, we don't have the promise of heaven. So how do I cope with this? It's just like total loss and pain. Um, So trying to address that in a a pastoral way, um, basically, in case you're curious, the answer is, do you want the answer? Will there be animals in heaven? I think there will be. And the reason is, is that God created them first. They were in the garden of Eden. He likes animals. He didn't just save Noah and his family in the ark. They put, he went through the trouble of putting animals on there. You guys. So there's animals on the ark. So he, he definitely loves animals. And plus, in the book of Revelation, there's lots of animals in heaven got the, in the pictures that we have of heaven. Um, the bigger, So I think it's a, it's a settled point that there will be animals in heaven. The question is not just will there be animals, but will there be my animals in heaven? right? And we simply don't have a promise from the Lord on that. He hasn't said, Jesus did not become an animal to redeem the animals. He became a man to redeem humans. So we have the promise of the resurrection of the humanity, but we have two things that we can hope for. One being that, like in in, uh, Romans, it talks about how all of creation groans longing for the redemption, and that is, like, all of creation is going to be destroyed when Jesus comes back. So why is creation Longing for Jesus to come back and just burnt, burn the earth. That's what the picture. How's it possibly longing for that day? Because there is this hope of the, the new creation how the, the current creation that groans will, will anticipate this new creation. What does that mean? How, how the how does creation look forward to a, a new earth? We don't exactly know what that means, but it seems to imply some sort of in some way that there's re, recreation happening um, but then, the, the more comforting one for me is, if you, for those of you with, with uh, children, it is it is fun. Like when I'm le- when I'm leaving church here on a day, and, and Miss Han will have. By the way, she's the best secretary in the world. <laughs> so, like randomly, she'll say, "Hey, I picked these up for your girls." So she was at Target, and she saw something, she thought of my children, she bought stuff for my kids, and here you go. I'm like, "Well, thanks, Miss Han." So I come at home and to bring them a surprise dad what, what do you got what is that what's in the bag and and what just he, he get so excited it is fun it wasn't even my gift you know but it's fun to it's fun to surprise and bring joy to your children wouldn't wouldn't God have the same way uh, the same mind where he's like he has a joy in bringing surprise and joy to his children which is us so it would, it would not be inconsistent with his personality to surprise us. But we want to be careful because if he starts resurrecting all the dead animals, as I, as I joke, there's gonna be a lot of angry chickens and cows that we've been eating over the years, right? Hey, <laughs> remember that time you went to that barbecue restaurant? Yeah. Um, the, the other thing, so Luther witness, that's coming your way and you can continue that subscription if you like, every day. it's relatively inexpensive. The other thing is the voters assembly. So part of the rationale behind this class, as I mentioned early on, is that when you join a congregation, when you, commun- when you enter into communion with the church, you're saying you believe what they teach. Um, that's why union, this fellowship, we're actually gonna talk about that specifically today. But, um, so there's a doctrinal fellowship so that most of you, if not, if not all of you, have been communing already. Like I gave you the green light, our communion statement says, when you commune in a church, you're saying you believe what we teach. And so if you haven't, if you don't know what we teach, let me teach you, let's talk about it. So that's really, this class spends a lot of time chewing on that, but also I wanna make sure that there's, a, there's more of an in-depth understanding of what you're joining yourself in, into fellowship with. I wanna know what I'm getting in you, and I don't want you to know what you're getting in me, but when you officially join the church from a left-hand kingdom, that is a, um, a, a secular, not secular, but a an earthly organization standpoint, there's a church governance. We have to pay bills. We have boards. And how do we, How I mean, can some random guy off the street come in and join the church? So just imagine how if you got like a pro, a hardcore pro social issue that's anti our biblical confession on these things, who enters into our church, and, but he's really outgoing and everyone loves him and he runs for president of the congregation or head elder or something and next thing you know like we got a guy bringing this issue before the church saying that we should like i don't know ordain women or or um, say that homosexuality is not sinful or the, these these big issues that are obviously major biblical um uh, condemnation points attached to them but um we we want to avoid that issue by saying this is what we believe this is what the church confesses and when you join this church you're you're a part of that that way that when someone someone can't just jump into the church all of a sudden end up in a leadership position and then run the church into the ground (laughs) or cause major division i mean churches struggle with that all the time anyway but this is just another another attempt to help help prevent it plus it's not easy to join here so thank you for the, the, this, I intentionally make it just inconvenient enough, but also not impossible. So you had to wake up, you had, many of you came last night, you wake up early again this morning, you have to come out on Saturday morning. But it's only 10 weeks. It's not that long, but you've had to commit to it, which is, which is saying something about you and what's important to you. Right. And that's the kind of people that I want in my church. That's the kind of people want to be a part of this community. And that's the kind of people that ultimately I want to be in charge of the church. And that's the, uh, I I know I've given this spiel to many of you before already, but now this is not my church. Pastors come and go as my, I mean, it's going to be very hard to leave this church now Uh, (laughs) kind of built it and I love it. And, um, people are great and it's Naperville, come on. But (laughs) the fact is I I could get a a really juicy call somewhere else, closer to family, or they didn't have to like, I have to deal with like, okay, do I wanna go and serve there? And you know, is God calling me to that place? Pastors come and go, this is your church. So like you're, you're inheriting that nice stain right there next to Mary on the floor that we're gonna be a part of fixing in the next year or so, right? So we cut our own grass. We used to pay like it was ridiculous. I forget the numbers on this. you remember it's like a thousand, two thousand bucks like a month or just I forget what it was. We with the contract with some service, and then a couple of years ago, some of the members they come to the new member class and they're like, "Why don't we just like buy a couple lawnmowers and do it ourselves?" And we're like, "Well, because nobody's going to want to do it." And they look around and they're like, "I'll do it." Anybody else? And a bunch of guys raising their hands, and now we got a crew, of guys who comes out and cuts the grass. Uh, and they're really fun. it's like those zero radius turn <laughs> things. but that, so that even increases like my church have ownership just like in our own homes. We have this is your refrigerator, your kitchen you know um, so this is this is your church and I encourage you to be a part of it and, and you're, to become a voter. So before uh, for example, many of you have as the bodies go, all of you have different gifts that God has given you so some would be, like maybe in the realm of finance, someone in the role of like spiritual, like by way of elder. I mean, there's lots of different places to get involved here at Bethany. Um, but as far as the leadership roles go, um, are to be eligible to be on a board, that is to manage a substantial amount of money that the church collectively has, um, you have to be a voter of the congregation so from the voter pool we take the voter list of, a, of official voters and then i look at them and say who comes to bible study if you don't come to bible study i don't let you make the final cut so i care a lot about the bible sue me I don't care. <laughs> so <laughs> don't sue me <laughs> uh, that's right it's not in the budget um but so, so we have the, the list of people, and then based on the, the board needs, so we have like X amount of people we need on the, the school board and the fi, board of finance, and, and so we, what you don't want is people, we have so many gifted people here in different fields, so we can put people on boards according to what interests them, what they're qualified to do. And it's, it's cool to see all these people. I sit in the board of finance, I'm like, it's like I'm watching a foreign movie in a different language. <laughs> The way that they're we're like, it's uh, those meetings are on Zoom, so I pull up this thing and they're talking about like all these formulas and different like things that I just uh, like trying to figure out where to put the money for this and how the return is. I'm like, I don't understand. Come to, if you have a question for me, you have to be sure to tell me because I'm ignoring you right now. Um, so what you want guys, anyway, so I, be, become a voter and, the, and you'll, the, to do that, you come to a voters assembly which is the first ones coming up for you, will be December like 3rd, the first Sunday in December. We've made it super convenient. It used to be like Tuesday nights at seven, which is stupid. Um, I'm like, the people are here now. Let's just do it after church. So we moved, so now the youth have like, we bring in some Costco pizzas, classy. Costco pizzas, and um, after the late service, and we get started about 12.30 or one, somewhere like 12.30. And then we jump right into the voters' assembly. Usually we're done in less than an hour. Um, the, I've, I've learned pastorally under, over the years that the ground voters' assemblies can be hostile for in some churches and some backgrounds. And we pray that we don't experience that here. Um, the, and the way that we do that is it's easier to stay out of trouble than it is to get out of trouble. And so we, I work a lot behind the scenes, kind of greasing the skids like, talking to all the boards, making sure we're all on the same page. And then also making sure you're not putting on, putting people on boards who aren't, who who aren't pulling in the same direction. So if you're not coming to Bible study, if you're not coming to church, like if you didn't come through the new member class, you're just like, you're not, you don't have the same, you're, you're not, you're not focused on the same guy. So I want everybody focused on the same guy, pulling in the same direction. And that way, even though we disagree, we disagree as Christians. That is, we don't need to get in fistfights about this silly stuff, right? Um, so it's, it's been, praise the Lord, very, uh, very low key voters' assemblies last about an hour. But the fact is we have like a $2 million budget here, plus another $2 million in our, in our like, um, endowments, savings type stuff. So somebody has to manage that money. I don't want it to be me because I don't wanna to go to prison. So it needs to be the people. And so how are we going to do this? What, 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 what fun thing do we want to do? Like, the school is a, a primary mission for us, but it's not the only one. It gives us access to a lot of young, cool people, like the Daskis, as we wouldn't have known. Like, they, they come to us for the school, and the next thing you know, they end up in the church. Um, but there's a lot of people who don't send their kids to the school, too, that we have access to, and a lot of people in the school who don't come to church. So we're always finding ways to try to, like, see that as an as a, uh, outreach opportunity, but, um, but then also serving the people that we have here. What do we wanna do? What kind of fun stuff do we wanna do? I'm all about having fun in the gospel. So like in the spring, we're having a I call it the Lay Theology Conference. We're gonna bring on a speaker this year. Um, he speaks, he, he uh, specializes in like teen development. He's a pastor out in Iowa. Gonna do a lecture on screens and the impact of screens on, on children. And uh, it'll be like a couple hours in the morning here in this room Connor. and like, yeah, Jonathan yeah. Connors. Yeah. He's been on issues. That's where I heard of him. I'm like, I, mean, I had to get this guy, call yeah. him up and he said, like, we're booked. So it's like, Fev- it's either third or the 10th. We're trying to figure out February 3rd or 10th There's some stupid volleyball tournament. So, <laughs> well, I want that. I want, so the problem is it's a girl's volleyball tournament and, I, and it's the girls, it's the girls and those parents that I want in that lecture. Right. Um, October fast. I mean, these are all fun things that we are able to do, but then we're also able to support missions like a, uh, internationally locally um, do fun things to the congregation so um, anyway yeah, it's a it's a fun place to be and I'm, and I'm, and I'm honored that you would you choose to join us and I look forward to uh, years in the future um, and seeing you grow so I do I do encourage you to continue in Bible study the tra- tradition kind of what you've started now my kids are like devastated that what are we gonna do on Saturday mornings <laughs> um, so Continue in your Sunday morning Bible class um, between services. Continue in that fellowship because it's, it's, you've started a good habit. So continue it. And, and it's, you don't, if you stop watering a plant, what does it do? It dies. But if you keep watering it, it's going to grow and flourish and bear fruit. So just keep, keep at it. Uh, a couple other things. Crafters Paradise is happening right now in the gym. So on your way out, swing by the gym. It's, that's run by our ladies' guild and they fund a lot of like our local missions uh, they send some money to the youth group they, they send some money to, to our needs here back here in the sacristy like when we need new albs vestments stuff so supporting little things around the church this is a big fundraiser for them you get like random flea market people from all over illinois come to this thing and have their like their little crafts and then crafty type people come and they do all their christmas shopping at the crafters paradise i mean the word crafters and paradise do not go together in my mind, but for some people they do. <laughs> I walk in there, I'm like, I gotta get out of here as soon as possible, um, but yeah, check that out. Um, so I saw Mary looking around um, at, the, at the table when you first came in in the back, just, to, just like to demystify a few things. It's called, it, this is a sermon report form. Our confirmation kids do this. I put this together a few years ago because kind of the goal is to, to teach the kids what to listen for in a sermon. And it, when you, if you'll, if you'll notice, like, if you've ever been in like a boring situation, if, if when you don't have a reason to be listening for something, it's hard to listen. But when you, when you're, when you have something you're, you're trying to pick out. Like, I'll, I'll lean over to the acolytes sometimes before I preach, and I'll say, "Hey, can you tell me how many times I say Jesus after this?" Like, oh, okay, yeah. So then they're listening to my sermon, like, how many times has he said Jesus? So we something to listen for. So the sermon report gives the kids what is the law, what is the gospel. The law shows us our sin, the gospel shows us our Savior. Like, that's a basic definition. But how does this sermon, the one you're listening to now, in what way is it revealing your sin or the sin in the world? What's the problem that, that, that this text is highlighting? And then what's the solution? What's the, how does Jesus solve that problem for you? Those are, those are the goal for the preacher's perspective. That's always the goal. What's the law? What's the gospel in the given text of the day? So that's what we're trying to present, and that's what you're also trying to listen to. Now, you don't have to know that that's what you're listening for. I mean, we hopefully write these things like it's just a, it's just a speech at you, telling you the law and telling you the gospel, but it does kind of help when you're thinking, when you're actually actively listening for those things. So... If you ever want to check that out, it's just, uh, that's just an aid for the kids. Uh, for the younger kids, we got a few different families with kids. This is the, the, basically the children's bulletins. They're, they're actually pretty good at matching the gospel lesson of the day. It's like little pictures. There's like crossword puzzles and that kind of stuff, all matching the theme, like the gospel lesson of the Sunday. So when the kids are super young, they'll, like, they'll just color all over it. And, um, but as they learn how to read and stuff, then they can actually find. So it kind of something to occupy them um, as, as they grow. But also, it's on the theme of the day. Uh, parents also, you know, if they're bored, it becomes a fun thing to do during a, ser- a sermon. <laughs> uh, on your bulletin, we have a guy, Tom Mueller, uh, is a retired member that we have, who back during COVID, when, when me and the f- uh, former Cantor were just like figuring out how we're going to survive, on all the things that we needed to do, he said, hey, can I help you do the bulletins? Because we're having mistakes like all the time, inconsistencies, page problems. And he said, can I just do it? I'm like, yeah. So he jumped in and now he puts in like way too much time picking out pictures and making sure the formatting's perfect and getting everything just so. So to, you might be asking yourself, man, why do we waste so much paper when we got perfectly good hymnals in the pew? Um, well, first of all, we don't pay Tom. So, we save a lot of money on not paying Tom. Uh, God's going to destroy all the trees and bring a new creation anyway. So, I don't care about saving the trees. I don't want to be unnecessarily wasteful, though. So, um, what we do is uh, we designed the bulletin. We, we started going to this format when I had baby Annabelle, my seven year old now. So, I was having to, I'd, I'd try to sit in the pews and juggle my kids to remind myself that you guys are trying to juggle things while you're listening to a sermon so keep it short pastor Um, but also it's hard to it's hard to like flip around in a hymnal while you're holding a baby and and if you don't know worship like i was talking to Daskus earlier like um when you're first in the liturgy and you don't and you already don't know it it's it's enough of a burden already so the bulletin is actually designed in such a way that you're not having to flip back and forth in a hymnal That has like the liturgy in the front, the hymns in the back, and there's prayers in the middle, and you don't know what you're doing. This demystifies it. We're able to put all the cues in there, like where to stand, when to sit. We can adjust things. We can make selections, because there are a lot of times in the hymnal where it'll be like, there's two different options for the Gloria, if that means anything to you. We're on the left page or the right page, and you just don't know. As a worshiper, like, which one are we going to today? Oh, it says in the bulletin, left column. Well, it means you have to look at the bulletin. It'll say page 194, left column. You go back to the hymnal. Why don't we just print the left column in here? And then put some pictures in there that kids can point at and say, Jesus. <laughs> uh, we popped a bunch of prayers in there as well. So the prayers for uh, before worship, before and after the sacrament, the communion statement. But uh, what I want to highlight for you also is at the back, like a page, after the uh, the list of those who are serving in, the, in service that day, We have a thing called Kids in the Divine Service, which is designed for like an upper elementary, probably seven to 10 year old. But frankly, it's actually for you. It's for the adult. It's like it's the same idea behind children's messages. If you if you come, if you've been to a church that has those, the kid, the, the, the pastor talking to the children, it's totally over the kids heads. The pastor's talking to the parents who probably aren't gonna listen to the whole 20-minute sermon later. So they are gonna give them the the abridged version and the children's message. We actually do children's messages here. We have a Sunday school opening right here. right before Sunday school, the kids all gather here. And the pastor, one of the pastors who rotate comes in here and does like an intro children's message. But we don't wanna take time out of the service because I wanna keep the services to an hour. I'm really a stickler about that. So we do the children's message later. but there's a thing called kids in the divine service, and every week it's a different theme. So, like this week, it says it's it's, it's timely. Uh, do Lutherans honor and remember the saints, and why is it a joy to do these things? So he talks about what is a saint, why do we believe in saints, or why do we, um, how do we understand the saints? That is, the saints are those who have died in the faith that come before us. So just demystifying that concept for the for the kids. Um, there's a prayer list, all the people. So if you ever if you ever want to be in the prayers, if you want to be included. Oh, this is big. People like to get mad at the pastors for not visiting in the, them in the hospital, even though they didn't tell the pastors that they were in the hospital. So do me a favor. If you're in the hospital, just tell me. And we'll come. We love. I don't, lo- I don't love for my people to be in the hospital, but I love to visit people in the hospital or in their homes. Like that's. I don't like to be in my office, I like to be out visiting folks, right? So if you're ever in the hospital for any reason at all, we are very close to Edward, we get to rush quickly, wherever you live, we're there, let us know. Um, in fact, that's Pastor Schumacher's primary responsibility. He's our hospital and nursing home guy. So give him something to do, job security for him when you go to the hospital. <laughs> hey, I'm just getting a tooth removed, but Shu, can you come on out? We, oh, I call him Shu, Pastor Schumacher. Um, so there's prayers back there, prayers for your family, your loved ones, they're all uh, back in the back. You'll notice there's a weird wording uh, that's my grammar slash theological st- sticker, st- what do you call it? I'm a stickler, I'm a stickler for these things. Uh, very often you'll see like Mary Lou Adams, mother to Garrett Curse recovering from a stroke. So you're like, who's Mary Lou Adams? Oh, it's, it's Garrett's mom, okay. Uh, but why mother to? Garrett Cruz. Normally we'd say, "Mother of." So why mother too? What, what it nails, what it, nails it is the it's that it's the, the mother has been given to Garrett from God. So the two ness is actually a theological point that our even our families have been a gift to us. So friend to, friend to Maggie Ryan. These two, so that's why we use that grammar there. Uh, anybody in the military in your family? Uh, if you're pregnant, you want to put somebody in there. Uh, so We have all those things. Wedding anniversaries we remember on the first Sunday of the month. So if you want to be remembered, you need to tell us before the first Sunday of the month. Um, then we get it in the file and then we'll we'll circulate that around. The flowers that you can't see right now because this board, but there's there's flowers that we put on the, on the around the altar to <laughs> so adorn the altar. They only cost like. Them done? It's like 15 bucks. It's a steal. Cause if you wanted to go to the flower shop and order those bouquets, they charge like a hundred bucks. But we have like a standing agreement. It's like, we, they charge us it's cheap, like 20 bucks, whatever it is. Um, you can kind of pick out the general arrangement. We try to match the flowers and then you get to take them home with you afterwards. So if you're celebrating anniversary or the, the death of your spouse or whatever this, whatever the uh, issue that you're, that you're wanting to buy, wanting to celebrate or remember that day, um, you can sign up for those as you walk down the stairs to the left. There's a sign-up sheet there. And last, um, the back of the the back of the bulletin has a schedule for the upcoming week. Uh, Beth being awesome and Tom being awesome, the bulletin guy, we like we try to bottleneck everything across Beth's desk so that so that we don't have like. This piece of paper says there's a Bible study at 3 o'clock, and this piece of paper says it's at 3.30, and this one says Tuesday, and this one says Thursday. There's lots of... That used to be an issue for us because uh, we had too many moving pieces. Now we just make Beth's life miserable by putting everything through her. But this schedule is everything coming up in the next week or two in the church. Um, and sometimes we'll put some school events depending on the nature of the school event, but you can kind of look, look ahead for the big events that are happening that week. From time to time, we miss something. Has a day school policy board like canceled their meeting and they moved it to a different time or something. But in general, if you want to get a snapshot of what's happening, it's back there. Otherwise, the week at a glance is what you got to look at. The, the the email blast that goes out. I used to have a newsletter. We printed it, and you would get it when you walked in. I would slave over writing a long like pastor's like front page of the newsletter addressing some <laughs> theological issue, and you walk in the door and you get it, you and you set it on the pew. And you'd worship and if you're bored of my sermon you pick it up and you'd flip through and look around in the in the newsletter and then when you leave you drop it in the recycling bin and you never actually first never read my article you didn't keep the schedule events with you at all and it served no purpose so We're like why are we so COVID helped us out a lot everybody was electronic i'm not going to mail you a newsletter it's too expensive so we just emailed our newsletter and then it became now we just have an email only newsletter but if you're anti-email person they're printed off on the Welcome Center, uh, on that little like bar thing back there. Um, any other just general questions about Bethany? I know I'm covering non-theological things right now, but. Okay, I, I think as I've always thinking about, what, what, what questions might you guys have? Um, yeah. So you have your commitment statement in the, the bulletin and things. You still wanna to talk to people, family members, friends, and other types that come in. Well, the fact so, is, very good. The the fact is, and, I, and I'm specifically going to talk about the why we have the communion statement today, unless I continue not talking about it. <laughs> um, the when the fa- when a family comes in, typically what happens is it's like church starts at eight thirty, it's eight twenty nine, and I'm trying to get the acolytes ready to go, and and there's just no time. The, uh, so you Ooh. as a you probably have all been through this, where you're like. I'm I don't want to say you can't commune here to my cousin. That'd be offensive. Or maybe you do, I don't know, but like, sometimes it can be touchy. Um, and so you don't want to like hand on the bulletin and point at the statement. So we just, that's why we read it actually, to try to de- so say, look, you don't, if you didn't get a chance to talk to me yet, don't commune. If you don't believe what we teach, if you're not in fellowship with our teaching already, notice I didn't say, unless you're a card carrying Missouri Synod Lutheran, but if you're not in fellowship with what we teach which you probably say well i don't know what all you teach well then don't commune until you do know what we teach but when you walk up here with your feet you might as well tell me with your mouth that you're missouri Synod lutheran you can lie to my face but you can also lie with your feet and that's that's in my my, that eases my conscience but for the person like if you if you want to like when wells people typically come like uh, a lot of Wells, Missouri Senate is like, has tried to, to establish fellowship with the Wells and the ELS. So it's kind of like we're open to fellowship with them, but it's not necessarily the other way. And there's some, there are some issues that we're divided on, but the main things are certainly there. So when I get certain Wells people here and they'll ask, hey, can we commune here? And then I'll ask them some questions if there's time. But usually, frankly, when you've got family in town, if you're like me, you're struggling to you get to church on time. So if you think about it in advance, I'm come call me. Sometimes I do, I get calls like on Fridays. Um, but but it's, it's more rare. Usually somebody, they walk in five minutes before the service and I'm trying to juggle, so it's, just, it's, it's, it's hard. So that's why I read the statement, but I'm, I'm happy to talk to people. Usually though, there's no sense of urgency. There, there's no such things. There's no emergency in the church, by the way think about that. There are no emergencies in the church. Why? Because God kind of knows what's going on. Right? So there's no so we have emergency baptisms not from God's perspective but from ours. So just because he's attached so many like Wonderful blessings and promises to baptism. We like to we'll baptize somebody. Like um, I've done emergency baptism in the hospital. If i I had a buddy who was like standing nearby when there was a drive-by shooting, and he was a biker in Baltimore. Some little like seven-year-old girl got shot, and he, he knew nothing about her. Like he's there, and like the, the, the cousin was standing by, and uh, he there's a bottle of water on the cabin or on, on the on the side of the road and he asked the kid is she baptized and she's like i don't think so so he just baptized the baby or it's the seven-year-old and then later followed up with the family like did i do something wrong here i just like wanted to because the promises attached to baptism are so great they we're able to say the lord put his name on this child or whatever um why did i mention emer- oh so no emergencies in the church there's no emergency lord's suppers Right? So we do have emergency baptisms, but Jesus doesn't establish an emergency Lord's Supper. He taught the disciples for three years before he, before he gave them that. So the, the, as I say in the statement, the forgiveness of Jesus is still yours. He died for the sins of the world. If you don't believe it, that's fine. Then you shouldn't come up for a blessing or communion. Right? So if you're, if you're denying the forgiveness of Jesus, you are just got dragged here against your will, fine, sit in the pew. But if you want to come up for a blessing, I'll give you a blessing. What I always say is, the Lord bless and keep you in, in, your bapti- in His baptismal grace unto life everlasting. Um, so it's, it's, it's referencing the baptism, and then somebody will say to me, well, I'm, I'm not baptized. And then I can say what? Let's do it. <laughs> right? So we talk. it leads in the conversation later. Um, but yeah, there's no... Whenever anything is put to you as an emergency, i like, coffee's yeah. um, Like, oh, there's, we're running out of money, or we just don't have enough people, or like anything that kind of, when you feel an emergency being pushed upon you, a sense of urgency being pushed upon you in a church, some, they're doing it wrong because he knows what he's doing. And even, even in our lack, we know that he, he knows what he's doing so like oh we're it's really our our attendance is really down and uh or giving is really down and we're gonna have to make some difficult decisions here okay good fine right as long as we're getting out of our own way i mean if we're just doing stupid stuff like not advertising the time of our worship then of course people aren't going to come so don't be an idiot and don't be a jerk so but you can ultimately though we live in naperville but if we're in the middle of nowhere in like southern illinois there's just no people. Maybe people moved out of the town and now the church is like, this is like happening all over the country. The churches are like, they're shrinking. And, but it's not an emergency, it's okay. The Lord's church is bigger than St. John's Effingham or whatever, right? Um, the church is wherever the Lord's people are receiving the gifts. So We're not, we're not in a ur- sense of urgency. There's no emergency Lord's suppers. We do take it, we take Lord's supper though, two emergencies at the hospital when someone's nearing death and they ask for it, why? Because of all the promises that are attached to it. Because even though you might not feel like your sins are forgiven, or you might actually have your, you're struggling right now with your doubts and your, and your great fears. And the fact, think about this. When death comes and you become afraid, fear is actually evidence of unbelief. Because if you actually believed, you wouldn't be afraid. So we, we have fears. And then we, that brings doubt. And the devil says, if you're doubting, if you're afraid, then you're doubting. And if you're doubting, you don't really believe. You're going to hell, buddy. And you're dying. And you're like, then it gets worse. Downward spiral. So then we come walking in. And it's not about what you, what you think right now. Of course you're afraid. Death is terrible. Of course you have your doubts. But the Lord is forgiving your sins in spite of, in spite of what's going on in you right now. It's outside of yourself. Um, it's given to you as a gift, and gifts are necessarily like this passive thing. So, um, yeah. Anyway, any other good question? Any other questions? Here? All right. Let's just because just because there's a fun picture of a mom changing a diaper or tickling a baby, but I it's a diaper picture on your handout. Um, I talked about this briefly last week. God is working through you wherever you are, whatever you're doing. So Luther famously says, the mother changing the diaper of the baby is doing a holier work than a monk praying in a monastery. Because the monk praying in the monastery thinks he's trying to appease God, but God never told him to do that. But he did need the mom to change the diapers. And God gave the baby to that mom. So what mom is doing in changing the diapers is in fact a holier thing but we think about it differently. We're like, well, diapers are disgusting, icky, and very ungodly. But the monks, those are holy guys. They're closer to God. No, no, no. God has made him, he got, Jesus made himself a baby, right? God gave that baby to that mom. So that's the doctrine of vocation, where God is working through us and all that we're doing. He works behind these masks, masks of God. God is active through means in this world, uh, giving us our daily bread. So we are dependent on others and they're dependent on us versus thinking we can get through it alone, but God is rather, like the body, God is working through other members of the body to provide for one another. In that sense, we have a calling. We have, as a Christian, we have a calling, not just a job, but it's God working through you and all the estates of the world. So estates is um, Lutheran distinction between, you've got these concentric circles happening between your, your overlap and here's you that you've got your family you've got like the you have got the government you've got the church you've got your family your marriage and you are in each one of these things Right? As a Christian, you, we think about things that, So, like, I don't carry a sword or a gun. My, my weapon is God's word, right? and, and, and I'm going to forgive sins. So if you come to me and confess a crime, I'm going to forgive your sins. When you go to the government, we don't want them forgiving sins. They need to actually punish evildoers. And it's tragic, it's really hard, but we did judge, even though a judge can really be a softy, but he can't sit up there like in a, the movie West Wing, actually, there's a, there's a clip of, um, what's that guy's name? Charlie Sheen, no, Charlie Sheen's brother. What's his name? Emilio, yeah, Emilio Estevez's dad was the president on West Wing, what's his name? Martin, Martin Sheen, thank you. I wasted a lot of time capital on that, but Martin Sheen, he was a president, and they're coming to him, asking him to like, do a, a, a stay of execution for a guy who was supposed to be getting the chair for, for murder. And they're like making this sad story about how oh, he's, he's a Puerto Rican immigrant and this really tr- tragic situation and all these bad things, and trying to make a case that he feels really bad now, please don't kill him. And that's and that's fine, I mean, that, uh, I, mean I guess there's, there's room for, for mercy for certain things, but, The reason why the government is supposed to do things like punish evildoers is because it does, it does bring peace in our society. So imagine when you're walking into Jerusalem, it wasn't just Jesus being crucified. They put the crosses like where it says, like, welcome to the population, whatever it is. And then you pass that sign and then there's like 10 people being crucified behind that sign. And it says over their head what they're being crucified for stealing an apple computer from the apple store right so when you're coming into naperville you're thinking okay note to self don't try to steal anything from the naples store uh, apple store so i end up like that guy so think about what the fear of punishment but if but if anytime you get arrested the government just says no you're free to go it wasn't that bad you're in a bad situation i understand how you ended up here there's no why would i what's going to dissuade me from doing crime in the future right so, the, so, you can have a guy on death row who then receives the forgiveness of sins from a priest or a pastor, but they're still going to suffer their, their earthly consequence of the action. There are consequences for our actions, right? And that's true for all of our sins. Part of why we try to, we try to steer people away from sin, we talked about this back during, during the Ten Commandments because sin is actually bad for you. It actually does have consequences and it hurts our neighbor. So it's, it's helpful for us to avoid sin. We know we can't do it though, in a, in a way that's gonna somehow please God. So there's obviously always forgiveness for our sins, but there's the concept, forgiveness doesn't remove the consequences. So the government has the punishment for that anyway. For, church has forgiveness, the government brings order and peace. So as a Christian, we are given to vote. Can a Christian be involved in the as a soldier? Can the Christian vote? Can the Christian run for office? Most definitely, yes. In fact, I mean, not, not everybody is maybe given to, to, to be involved in the political conversation. But generally speaking, you have the Ten Commandments. It's your voter guide. Does this guy kill babies? Does this guy going to uphold marriage and, and family? Is this guy okay with stealing my stuff and giving it to someone else? The Ten Commandments is there telling us what's right and wrong so yeah we can be involved in the, in the church and the government and also we have our family and we're in the middle of all these things and god is working through us as a father a husband as a trustee or just a worshiper at church taking care of you know supporting that help supporting the church receiving the lord's gifts as a voter as a person a law-abiding citizen right so we have we have these three realms where we have involvement and that's where god is working through us to serve our neighbor um let's see acting in and out of vocation god puts us in vocation in a place in place in world and gives talents your vocation is the place you occupy in the present wherever you are now each of its vocation has a unique authority and so like a, a parent is given unique authority over their children but i don't have authority over someone else's kids a police officer has, uni- has limited authority. They can, they can pull you over for speeding, but not pull you over for driving a Toyota, right? They can't just get mad or, just, so the, the picture is always for me, it's, it's, it's um, if Barney Fife pulls up behind you in his old dilapidated beater uh, cop car with a really wimpy siren, because you're speeding through a kid zone and pulls you over, you're gonna pull over. Even though if you're driving a Mack truck, You're gonna pull over, but the reverse, if if you're driving your tiny Honda Civic, and a Mack truck pulls up behind you, and gets on their loudspeaker and says, pull over, I'm gonna run you over, they don't have that authority. So authority is different than power. Power manifests itself in strength. In fact, the Greek root, the Greek word for power is dunamis, where we get our dynamite. The power is within. There's a difference in authority, that's exousia. The power is outside of the person versus inside of the person. So in authority, it is given over. So Barney Fife's power, you know who that is? Barney Fife, Andy Griffith Show? Barney Fife is obviously not a powerful individual, but he is in the authority. He has the has the, uh, the authority of the police, right? So God gives unique authority to a different vocation, and sin comes when we act outside of our vocation. So when the surgeon um, cuts, a, cuts a person open, um, that's okay when he's a surgeon, but he can't like on a random Tuesday walk into Starbucks and cut a person open. That would be murder, right? So same with like sex outside of marriage. Same with everything. It's got its limited givenness. I'm going to, just for the sake of time, uh, the bottom of page two, you can read all these things on your own. Please, I tried to make a helpful quotes for you there. Um, the rhythm of the Christian life. So we have dirty hearts. We're born with them and we continue to have them. We come here and we sing, as we do in Psalm 51, creating me a clean heart O oh God. We bring clean heart, we, we bring dirty hearts to God. He cleans our hearts, which then manifests itself with clean lives. So we, having our hearts been cleansed, We confess our christian faith and we strive to live a god-pleasing life toward our neighbor and then as soon as we engage with someone in our life we sin against them and so when we do we come back here and he forgives us cleans us up and sets us free and sends us out again so that's the rhythm it's an ongoing rhythm um i'm gonna skip over page three and let's get to the fun the highlighted part at the bottom of page four. We've been skirting around the Lord's Supper this whole time. Um, if you've got specific questions, we can, we can address those. But what I want to get at is, if you'll grab a Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Get a page number. Shout it out. 9.58. 9.58. Thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 and following, page 958. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. From the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. There's divisions in the church, and it's about belief or unbelief. When you come together, it is not the Lord's supper that you eat. For an eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, the other gets drunk. What? Do you have no houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God? So in the context here, they were coming together for the Lord's Supper. The rich people, like people with the trust funds, um, they didn't have to work. So they're coming to church, and they're drinking all the wine and eating all the food. And, and Paul's like, no, 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 it's not a meal. Like in that sense, like you can go drink and eat at home, but like you want to wait for the body of believers to get together. You got to wait for the farmers to come in off the fields at the end of the day, and we're going to eat this together. And it's not about just gluttony and drunkenness. But in Corinth, think first-century Greek and Roman gods—they're all just getting drunk, right? So you they have this—they're having to correct a weird view of, of alco- drunkenness and sexuality where were uh, very mistaught in the first century. So the Christians were trying to clean that up. Anyway, verse 23, here we go. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we get this clarity of what he's giving us is his body, and he's given it for us for our benefit. and And as we partake of the supper, we are remembering what he has done for us. And it's not just intellectual, but in fact, when we remember the Lord, He is doing something to us. He acts towards us. In the same way, he takes a cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So I do this often, so we have the Lord's Supper every time we get together, if we can. Four, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So in the, in the as we have the Lord's Supper, we're actually proclaiming the Lord's death for us. now. Verse 27, whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. All right. So here we get this idea. Whoever eats and drinks in an unworthy manner is guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, therefore, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. So if I eat and drink in an unworthy manner, then I'm going to eat and drink uh, judgment on myself. I'd like to avoid this. Now, so what does he mean by this? So, okay, when we have the Lord's Supper, it is the true body and blood of Jesus. It is the thing in itself. In the same way that rat poison is rat poison, even if you, think so, if you think it's Skittles, it doesn't matter what you think, it's rat poison. It is the body and blood of Jesus. And you can eat it in an unworthy manner. And when you do eat it in an unworthy manner, you even drink judgment on yourself. So, the guilt, guilt personal guilt for actually the, the killing of Jesus yourself. So, really... To to eat and drink in an unworthy manner. Well, we're gonna get we're gonna get through just a second. So let's let's look at it this. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. So I drink and drink in an unworthy manner, I profane. So the solution there is if I don't wanna if I don't want to be unworthy, maybe I just well, what does it mean to be unworthy what is unworthiness so we think unworthiness we typically think not good enough and yet what is what's the primary thing that we're receiving in the lord's supper forgiveness for what not being good so in fact it is our sin that qual as a primary it's a it's a main qualification for receiving the lord's supper is having sin so our worthiness is not based upon goodness. So what's it based upon? So I don't want to eat and drink in an unworthy manner because I don't want to have judgment on myself, so what do I do? Well, as he says, let a person examine himself. All right, good, there we go, examine. So if I don't want to be unworthy, then I need to examine myself, good. Does that, does that answer the question or just give another one? It gives another, what question does it give you? Examine for what? <laughs> You don't just tell the you don't tell kids in the school, like, take a test. You actually tell them what the test is on. You give them specific things, right? So when I examine myself, what am I, looking, what am I looking for? Am I looking for comprehensive understanding of what God has given or what God is doing in the Lord's Supper? Like, do you understand? Do you understand how God changes bread and wine and makes it body and blood? Do you understand how God can become man? and still be God at the same time without changing his humanity or his divinity? We don't understand it. So it's not about understand. What am I examining myself looking for? Anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So what we're after here is discerning the body. That's the key thing. If I don't discern the body then I'm unworthy. And that's where judgment comes in. So what's the next question? What does discern the body mean? Well, typically when we think of this word, it's often associated with the word understand. Do you understand what the Lord's doing in the Lord's Supper? Again? No. I don't understand it. How is he doing it? I'm the one giving it out week after week, a tiny little pathetic piece of bread. This is God entering into our universe, forgiving my sins, delivering the cross to me, that doesn't make any sense. So I certainly can't understand it. Discernment is a different thing. And just the abridged version here, normally I flip back. First Corinthians, or, sorry, first Kings four, I believe, uh, Solomon, before he builds the temple, he goes up north of Jerusalem and he has a prayer to God, famously prays for what? Not riches, but, but wisdom. So in the Hebrew, he prays for wisdom to govern these people. The Hebrew is, he asks for a hearing heart. So that he can discern good and evil. That's the clear prayer, especially in the Hebrew. So a hearing heart is that it's coming to me. What is wisdom comes to me from the outside and my heart, that is the, the, the seat of my decision making, is being is being in, is being led by what is heard. So Solomon's praying for what comes from the outside. God is setting before him good and evil, and he's praying for this discernment between two things, good and evil. And then right away, the first Right away he becomes king and the first thing he gets to use when he uses his discernment it's in the same chapter immediately following that prayer he goes back to Jerusalem and is brought before him the the prostitutes of the babies and what's he say what's ultimately how he how he out how he finds the the true mama Cut cut the baby in half which is the same Hebrew root for discern so you're discerning between good and evil And good and evil is the same as life and death. Think about the Ten Commandments. Anything that is good is toward life, and anything that's bad is taking away from life, tearing away. So, tearing away at marriage, which is tearing, marriage is bringing forth families. Tearing away at marriage with adultery is tearing apart families. Supporting life, fifth commandment, versus killing life, right? Honoring father and mother, extolling family, versus not honoring father. So, life and death, good and evil, right? So, to discern, it's nothing other than being able to say, that is good and that is bad. So I don't understand how electricity works, but I do know that don't monkey around power lines. I said, that was a phrase they taught me in the 90s. Don't stick your finger in the outlet, it will kill you, shock you. Don't drop a toaster in the bathtub. Like these cl- I know electricity can be deadly right? That's not understanding. That's discerning what is life and what is death. So then take this up to the Lord's Supper, though, and say, to discern the body in the Lord's Supper is to say, that's the body of Jesus, and that is good. That is life. Now, there's a lot Pastor, if it's that easy, then why don't we spend two years teaching the kids in Confirmation? Why'd you drag us here a 10-week class on Saturday morning, right? Well, it's more complicated than that because for me to understand that if life, if God is putting life up there and I have to go get it, what am I saying about me before I go get it? That I need life. What do I have? Death. If that's forgiveness up there, what do I have here? Sin. How do I know my sin? As in, God teaches us what our sin is in the Ten Commandments. So we order the, as we learn, walk through our catechism, we, we teach the what is the Ten Commandments, right? If if God is delivering the forgiveness of sins up there, that means He's not zapping me with like some kind of electric shock forgiveness. It's not like it's not a relationship between me and God, like Crocodile Dundee would say, like me and God are mates. God is actually delivering the cross in the, in the sacrament. So he takes this, what is one on the cross is delivered to me here. I'm confessing that. If I don't believe he's delivering it to me here, then, I, then why would I go up there? If it's just a symbol of something else, what's it a symbol of? I mean, to be a symbol is by definition to not be that thing. So it's not a symbol, it is. Jesus said, this is my body." So what I'm confessing is that God works through means. I'm confessing that he forgives my sins on the cross and delivers it here. I'm confessing that I can't save myself. If I could save myself, I wouldn't need him to do it, right? I'm bad, he's good. I'm dead, He's alive. He's life-giving. I can't save myself, he does all the saving. All of that is wrapped into this simple confession of you taking this 20-foot journey to the rail. That's what's being confessed. Now, if you don't believe that, you're missing out on joy and hope and peace in this world. I want people to have that. I'm not interested in guarding this rail like some kind of a Nazi, that go, you, you can't come to communion at my church until you have the, your card-carrying Lutheran, because frankly, how do, I, how do I police that? Among my longtime members sitting in the back pew that have been there since 1937, whatever, and I ask them, What's the second commandment? They probably can't even tell me. So I'm not gonna give an academic test. So what's the, what's the test? What does it mean to, well, is this life or death? A child can say that, which is why we commune younger and younger children. So when, it, when a child comes up to me, typically around seven, seven, year, seven years old, Missouri Senate messed up with America, American education, we, we, we overlapped confirmation and American education too much in the 20th century. Prior to the 20th century, you know, for the first 2,000 years of Christianity, <laughs> if you had a child who's able to say, uh, I'm a sinner, and if that's Jesus for my forgiveness, for my life, why, can I have that? How, how am I going to say no? How do, you, how do you, what's the rationale for saying no? Well, you don't really understand. Then I would say to you what? Do, do you understand better? In what way do you understand better than the seven-year-old, right? Now, the seven-year-old might say, can I have that? Because what I often get at the rail is a kid saying, can I have that? And I say, why? And I'll say, because it's a snack. Everybody else is doing it. And I want to be like everybody else. That's not, that's not the reason. So let's talk, we'll talk about it later. No, you're not ready yet, right? So I never say no. I say not yet. But when the, kid, when the kid says, hey, I'm hungry and it's a snack, or everybody else is doing it, or it looks fun, or I want to be better than everybody else, or whatever the rationale is, these are all wrong things. But when the kid's saying, I'm, I'm bad, he's good, can I have the good? Yes. So we, have, we, we practice commu- we, we first communion. We, every year, usually in January, we run a six-week course for, for, with parents and the children who have asked for it. We make the kids they have to tell us the creed, the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the words of institution from memory. And then we enter them, we invite them to the class, which would go over the basics of the faith. Uh, what basically, primarily focusing at the Lord's Supper with the parents there, and then we'll commune them. But we don't have confirmation, so confirmation comes in seventh and eighth grade. So confirmation is confirming what is already there right so what confirmation is a two-year more rigorous academic learning the more of the depth of the faith and why well because we got a captive audience of kids but what happens in seventh and eighth grade what's happening to the bodies of seventh and eighth graders so we can actually start teaching about what is adultery what is pornography that kind of stuff we can't really do that to a third grader but you can teach it in seventh and eighth grade so you we can teach those complicated things but also academically the kid's brain is, is shifting in its academic it goes from this grammatical like download of information to now asking the kid the annoying phase when the kids are like why 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 right that's why the in the catechism the German "Was das what does this mean why this is the body and blood of Jesus why have no other gods why that catechism is structured that way to get the why question for the kid, right? So we do that, and we drag the kids through it for two years, um, hopefully. And, they've, and, and prior to seventh grade, we, we keep them coming. Like, in fact, the kids who were commuting early are, we only, you gotta be in church and Bible study regularly already. I've had a lot of parents ask me, like, "Hey, can, can my kid come to the early confirmation class? And we just said, no. Not early. we said, not yet. Why? Cause you guys haven't been in church in sunday school so we're only like we're only inviting people who are like in it now um, and then but it's toward a life of faith just like for you guys now you're not graduating tomorrow you're just entering you're becoming you can join the voters assembly tomorrow and now i can say with confidence that i've taught you the faith generally and then you can say okay pastor Clemmer's not crazy maybe <laughs> And then you can join into the fellowship, right? Um, good. Well, we're six minutes past. I'm so sorry. But that's, that's my discernment spiel. So, what's happening this whole class, Confirmation, Teaching the Faith, is all wrapped around this task. It's recognizing what is this, what's Jesus doing in, in giving us his body, and why is it life. And that way, I am faithful keeping you from eating and drinking unworthily toward your judgment because i'm teaching you to discern that you are death and he is life you're bad he is good right any final questions for me nothing yeah then, then here's what happens class ends and everyone leaves and then a few of you stick around and ask me very good questions every week. And then I say to you, you should ask that in class. And you say, well, I was going to, but, but I didn't think that. Don't think. Just ask me the question. What do you got? What's, what's rolling around in there? Is your last chance from Pastor Clumber? <laughs> All right, very good. Well, um, thank you again for going through the class. Tomorrow, during the new member installation, it will be after, I think Pastor Schumacher's preaching, after his sermon, um, I'll pop over and I'll come to the center and I'll say this time we invite forward our new members for installation. Bring your bulletin the the right of installation your res- in fact if you want to take a bulletin with you home tonight and check it out if you can uh, it's it's just the right of installation from the hymnal. We printed it in here so you're not having to juggle. I think we printed it in. I told Tom. Check. Yeah, page 11 and 12. Do you believe you renounce the devil